You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello out there. Welcome again to another episode of the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. I am Matt Minnick coming uh, at you here with Michael Rogner on Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, February 2nd. Groundhog Day, too. It's Groundhog Day. Uh, so, anyways, um, we, got, <laughs> we got Super Bowl Sunday. Michael, um, I, you know, I feel like folks overestimate the amount that you know about the NFL. Uh, you're, you're sort of like Jon Snow out there in California and that you know nothing, but but the 49ers are in the Super Bowl, so do you have do you have a prediction? Well, I do. I do live in 49er country. You know, there's flags all over my 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 street. Everybody's super excited. I go to a Super Bowl party every year that that's hosted by 49er fans. So I'm I'm usually the guy like standing out in the backyard talking, you know, just talking to folks about other stuff while the game goes on. But I, it's it's pretty obvious that I need to pick the 49ers. You know, just yeah, because everyone I'm going to a 49ers party and. And seeing that, um, who are they playing? They are playing the Chiefs. Chiefs, yes, the, uh, of course. Um, the if you put up a picture of the 49ers and the Chiefs, I I don't know that I could name more than maybe two guys. Do you know uh, so, who Patrick Mahomes is? I know the name. I know he's in a. Uh, uh, I think it's a Geico commercial or something like that with uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, maybe Allstate, maybe. Yeah, Allstate, yeah, one of those. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a very good actor. Uh, he he is also a very good football player. Um, well, so what? Okay, so you're going to go for the 49ers just so you don't get ostracized by all your friends. Uh, that makes sense. Um, what though? What are you going to do if if you start hearing the Chiefs war chant being played in the background at some point? Are you going to accidentally break out into that or start looking for the FSU hoops game? 
Yeah, I, I might just get triggered a little bit and, and just automatically start doing it. Uh, no, I will check the little squares game to see if uh, if whoever has the ball scoring enables me to win a little bit of money. That is That sounds like a good plan. I'm actually more pumped up about the buffalo uh, chicken dip that I've got tonight going. I, I'm sure I'll have the Super Bowl on at some point, but – I don't know. I, I may I may put in my my copy of Bill Murray's Groundhog Day uh, at some point if the game gets out of hand. Because frankly, I think the Super Bowls are anticlimactic. I, I like NFL football. Uh, I really follow the the season and the playoffs. I'm a Packers fan, but sometimes the Super Bowl just doesn't quite live up to the hype. Um, all right. Well, speaking of living up to the hype, Florida State. Did uh, did what I thought they might do. I know uh, Robner, you had you had kind of stuck with your one and one, uh, or your your. Lo- I think you had originally predicted a loss to VT on the on the Virginia road trip, and you stuck with it, even though you also thought one and one. So a bit of a hedge there. Florida State uh, was able to go up and get kind of a get right game against an extremely young Virginia Tech uh, Hokie squad. They uh, they led. They led throughout the game almost. I, it was a little back and forth at first, but Florida State took control with, with a run midway through the first half, uh, led by five at halftime, quickly extended that lead out into double digits and pretty much maintained control for the rest of the uh, game. And, and this was the seventh consecutive win over uh, Virginia Tech for Leonard Hamilton. So it seems to be that we certainly have the Hokies number. Um, so we get the win, uh, 74 to 63. That's good for net purposes. Good for our. My guess is we'll stay in the top ten. Uh, let me ask you, what would be the? Uh, we're going to play three great things and two that give you pause from the game as we break it down. So you're you're going to tell us uh, three things that really stood out to you as a positive, and two that give you pause that maybe you know still could be concerning moving forward. I'm going to remove one off the table. Let's just go ahead and say that the obvious Devin Vassell. You can't talk about uh, the dude was completely on fire. Seven for seven from three. Did you know, Michael, that he he tied an ACC record uh, with with uh, the the most made threes without a miss in a game? Three other guys have that record. Do you do you know who they are? I, I have no idea who they are. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that it's someone from from Duke. That would would hold the record, you know, and then one would then, think, but they tend to, I think, shoot like ten or twelve in a game and maybe miss one. Uh, so no, actually, the three people he tied are Alec Freeman from NC State, who went seven for seven a, a year or two ago, uh, and then James Collins of of one Florida State Seminoles and Sam Cassell of of FSU, both also had seven for seven games from three in ACC uh, games. So. So uh, Devin Vassell gets his name added to that to that list of Florida State greats uh, there. Uh, so taking him off the table, three things that you liked from the Virginia Tech performance. Yeah, that, that's unfortunate that that was removed from the from the table because that was that was a really just you know super impressive performance from Vassell the 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 game was kind of delayed in the in the beginning you know a lot of us missed the first five minutes and uh, because they were showing some other game and then as soon as the game came on Vassell starts going bananas which was pretty pretty nice to see Uh, so for there were some other you know good things about this game uh, besides from the obvious win Uh, Trent I thought 
played really well, and and that has not been the case recently. He's 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 had a he's had a few games where he struggled a little bit, and then in this game he was definitely the 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 good version of Trent. And I think a, a little bit of it was overlooked because of you know how how Vassell was playing, but Trent was totally in control on both ends of the floor. Um, I think he ended up having like nine rebounds and <laughs> and five assists. You know, the only thing he didn't do was he had a couple open threes that he wasn't he wasn't able to to knock down. But if if we get that version of Trent Forrest every every night, then I I, I think that uh, you know this team is got a chance to 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 really do some do some damage. You know, we've got that big game coming up with Duke, and we get good Trent that night, then then you know I like our our chance to be in a close game with them. Yeah, Trent was. Um... A one a one fifteen offensive rating, which was his best since since the Wake Forest game back on January eighth, uh, where where he also had a, had you know only one turnover in that Wake Forest game. So a trend a trend there when he when he doesn't turn the ball over, good things usually happen. Um, you know, and this might be a, a small segue here, and I want to stick with our three good things, but. Because you brought up Trent, I'm just curious. He was one for one from the free throw line, which is which is great. And you know, it's always nice to make yours. But we, it seems to be a trend of we're just not. He's not getting the line. Florida State's not getting the line as much as last year. Um, now I will say that the I, the game was called masterfully. Can, man, can we get those refs every game? I mean, just. Fouls were called when it impeded a guy going to the basket, and when it didn't, they were left alone. Uh, so kudos to the referees of this game. But is that a little concern that Trent isn't making it to the uh, free throw line as much, or the team isn't? Yeah, it's absolutely a concern. And and as as you mentioned, a shout-out to the refs, two of the guys. That was the first time they've seen FSU play this year. Uh, and and the other one has, has ref Florida State games quite a bit. But that it was – uh, in my mind, the way that basketball should be refed. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, shout out to them. But but so Florida State did not get to the line very much. Eleven times. Virginia Tech <laughs> also did not get to the line. They only got to the line six times, which is the fewest against Florida State all season. I think that matches the Chattanooga game. Um, but it is. It it's not just those refs. It's a trend that's. Um, a bit alarming. This is one of my, uh, you know, two bad things for the game is that uh, Florida State's just not getting to the line. And part of that is, you know, you lose Terrence Mann, you lose Fiondu. Those guys were really good at getting to the line. Um, and But other than that, it's just like Trent is still drawing fouls at a pretty solid rate, but it's, it's not turning into free throws. MJ Walker's kind of the same way. Yeah, is that Ooh. weird, right? MJ Walker is drawing 4.1 fouls per 40, and yet he's only taken 45 free throws on the season. <laughs> I, yeah. I, that is a bit weird. Yeah. One, one of the hallmarks of, of uh, a Leonard Hamilton team after basically starting the 2013 season, when we made the switch in offensive philosophy is that Florida state gets to the line a ton um, every year, but one we've been in the, in the top hundred and in, in the game, usually, you know, somewhere around like 50th, I think one year we were 11th. Um, and now this year we're 258th at getting, at getting to the line. Um, it's, it's and dead last in ACC. Like if you look at only conference play, we so within the now 11 or 10 conference games, we are we are dead last in the ACC at, at getting to the line. Yeah, yeah. One way to think about free throws is that 
you know, if you if you look at every possession for Florida State for the entire year, they're they're basically scoring a point, you know, one point per possession. Um, it, when you go to the line, you know, if you're shooting two and you're a seventy eight percent free throw shooting team like Florida State, you know, you're obviously scoring more than one point per possession. So it's 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 really critical to get to the line because it's it's not only free points, but it's also you're scoring at a rate that is higher than than other possessions. And so to see us dead last in the ACC is is a big concern. And I don't really see much of that that's going to change. You know, Devin Vassell is very uh, uh, ball dominant. He's also a, a jump shooter. You know, he's not. Yeah. He's not. He's not one of these guys who's going to the line a lot. Well, and he's actually so smooth at getting to his spots on, in the eighteen to twenty-two foot range. He almost doesn't draw fouls. You know, he's almost like the anti Dwayne Bacon or Terrence Mann in that regard. Yeah, it's, it's it's nice that he can just go over guys and get a shot off, but it's but we you know we got to figure out some way to get to the line. Our bigs, you know, down low are not are not these guys who are going to get the ball and and turn into the defender and and you know really go through contact to get to get to the line. Um, outside of Trent and MJ, we, we you know we don't have a lot of guys who are capable of driving to the basket and, and you know right. and drawing drawing a lot of fouls. So Raquan Gray can, but he often is the you're too big, so it wasn't a foul kind of call for him. A, yeah, or or he touches the guy and it's an it's offensive foul on Gray. So yeah. yeah, I don't know what to do about that, but it's 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 a uh, it's it's a problem and I would hate for it to cost us a game, you know, in March when it really matters. I I I don't want to put stuff out there in the air like that, but that definitely is the kind of thing you could see rear its ugly head in a in an eight, in a lead a game or something where you just where the difference is one team shot twenty more free throws than the other. Uh, all right, so we've done that was a bit of an aside. We've done one great thing and we've done one that still gives us concern. So why, I like this kind of uh, we'll we'll do a read and react uh, podcast here and switch it up to where let's do another one and one if you will. Uh, and give us another great thing that you saw from the VT game and then one from a pause and we'll finish out with, we'll finish on a good note with a third great thing. So what's the next great thing you saw? Yeah, I'll take, I'll take the return of, of Patrick Williams. He's, he is a five-star for a reason. He can affect the game in a lot of ways. He has not been scoring in an efficient manner at all. Uh, he hasn't made a three-pointer since uh, ACC play sort of sort of restarted at the end of December. Holy cow! I didn't realize that. Jeez. Yeah, he's like oh for eleven or twelve or something. I guess he like missed that. a couple games in there too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it also it, it doesn't matter. You know, he just he. It would be great if he was scoring at a high level or an, or an efficient manner, but you know that's not what Florida State needs out of him. He's kind of the the uh, I would compare him to Phil Kofer from last year's uh, last last couple of years team and that he is sort of the key to me to making that small lineup you know really function on a defensive level he's just he's one of these guys who's you know he's six eight and he's two two twenty or whatever and and he can get in a stance and, and defend a lot of different guys he can he can guard big guys he can guard small guys and I think we saw a a big difference in the second half when Coach Ham really went, really kind of rode Patrick Williams and some of the other guys. And no, no offense to Wyatt Wilkes, but Wilkes was on the bench, um, and so it, it didn't give the opposing coach, you know, one player that they can just attack. You know, it it, it kind of solidified our defense a little bit and made it made it made it harder for Virginia Tech to get to the spots and and you know run their their actions like they really wanted to. Yeah. 
I, I don't have a lot to add there. I think that was really well said. Uh, the difference that Patrick Williams made on defense was immediate and noticeable. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, we've talked about him, you know, possibly being a one and done. And, and I still think that there's a good chance that he is one and done. But in a world in which he maybe decides to pull a Dwayne Bacon and come back for a second year, if he feels like he's got a little bit of unfinished business left or, or uh, just wants to develop a few more things. Um, I, I could see him becoming a, a, a very good offensive player next year. He, he's just not there yet, but his defense is, and we are a better team with him, with him on the court, even if he is uh, struggling to find his, his jumper. I thought his rebound and and one that he had in the second half there to really extend that gave us that, I think 15 point lead and really, really kind of put, puts the game at a different, um, at a different picture in terms of how the opponent has to now try to press to come back and, and start to adjust what they're doing. I thought that was a huge moment in the game and, and something that maybe against Virginia, we just didn't get because you just don't have a guy like Pat Williams there underneath. Um, all right, let's go. So what's your, what was your second kind of concern then coming out of the game? You've given us two great things. So we saw Trent being back to Trent, Pat being back on the court. Hopefully uh, his toe is able to, you know, help him out on a quick turnaround against UNC. What is the next bad thing you saw? Yeah, just I just talked about the defense and especially the second half defense and and all that. The the concerning thing is is the defense <laughs> to, to me. So the the specifically uh, we've seen in recent games uh, dribble drives just tearing Florida State up. And as as improved as we were with Patrick Williams back on the court, uh, we it's still a major concern. You know, the, the I thought the Florida State did a really good job of just keeping the ball out of would be Sabide's hands, you know, to, to not allow him um, to sort of take over the game in the way that, that we saw uh, Virginia uh, uh, sort of attack FSU. You know, they forced the the ball more into Landers Nolly and and uh, Naheem Aline's hands, who are not quite the, the uh, attackers that Bide is, but we're still getting beat off the dribble. We're still seeing lots of, of, of collapsing defense, kickouts for open threes. You know, we're, we're sort of lucky that, that Virginia Tech missed a bunch, um, you know, of, of open shots. And so, yeah, that's still a concern. I, I, it, again, it's like the free throw thing. I don't see um, – there's not one thing that suddenly everything is going to click. You know, this is going to be a – game-to-game adjustment and we just have to hope that that Florida State continues to not only defend better on the perimeter but also you know rotate better and know when to help and you know all those little things that make the difference um, in close games and as we head towards you know I I, you mentioned that we don't want to we don't want to curse the team by talking about potential ways to lose in March, you know, but as we head towards the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament, you know, those little tiny, uh, you know, game within a game, just a possession here, a possession there, you know, so often makes the difference. So we really need our defense to, to continue to get just, you know, a little bit better every game. Yeah. I think it's worth noting that MJ Walker didn't play. He's one of our better, he's certainly, 
he's not quite the the on ball defender that maybe someone like Anthony Polite is, but he he knows the system. He's a big defender. He's able to switch on most guards and wings. You know, it'd be great, Lord, if we could just get all of our guys. Uh, you know, Pat Pat comes back and MJ sits. Get all of our guys playing in one game. But uh, you know, your points about the defense are well taken. And have have you ever? Can you remember a team, a Florida State team at least that? was so good at turning teams. I mean, we're fifth in the country at turning teams over and we're first in the country at blocks, uh, lead the entire country at block percentage. But it feels like if we don't do one of those two things, we really don't play all that good at defense. Yeah, it is. A, it's a, it is a little boomer bust, you know, we're, we're, and I, and I think the coaches recognize that, which is one of the reasons that we're turning teams over at such a high rate is that we're, we're, we're selling out to get turnovers. Um, our our uh, our two point percentage defense has been good. That's always the one thing to watch with a Leonard Hamilton defense, but certainly not at the at the elevated levels of some of the really good defenses. So yeah, we, it's at it's at uh, just since you brought it up, it's at seventy fourth right now two point percentage defense. Which which out of three hundred and fifty, uh, what is it eight teams? Three fifty three teams. That's that's a good rank. But if you look at last year, uh, you know, of course with Cabin Jelly and uh Kamaji there there was uh it was 21st uh the year before it was 17th in the country year before that it was 38th uh you have to go back to the 2016 team which was an NIT team right uh, that that had some fairly poor defenders uh, in freshman year Dwayne Bacon uh Malik Beasley was not not a great defender um and so that team was 175th so clearly a step below this team but but that's an NIT team right so we we really we got the worst two point uh, percentage defense that we've had since since our last NIT team so yes that's a concern uh anything i mean to your point though is there's not really a way to fix that right at this point in the season no i think we're we're committed to it you know it's just it's we're committed to the boomer bust. We're gonna we're gonna give up some layups in order to create more pressure on the perimeter, to turn teams over, and you know try to try to get uh, more more offense, you know, out of our out of our defense. And I'm I'm totally fine with that. You know, this is not the personnel to uh, uh, you know have someone like like uh, um, uh, you know last year where, where we had a seven four guy in the middle you know that right. we don't have, we just don't have the personnel to defend that way so you know I, I I think the coaching staff has turned this team you know into a top 25 defense uh, with while also playing really small you know which is not an easy thing to do so yeah I, I, th- I think we're going to live with it the rest of the way and we just have to hope that we're turning teams over yeah next year's team with Scotty Barnes and who knows maybe Naheem uh, McLeod can come back I don't know if he's still in the, in the fold for the program but I've seen him around uh, campus in the tuck for sure and even, even like a junior uh, Anthony Polite maybe a, a senior MJ Walker I feel like next year's team maybe could get back to it a bit but if, if folks are out there are curious. Um, so that NIT team we talked about, yes, they were 175th in two-point percentage. Why were they an NIT team and not an NCAA tournament team, whereas this current year's team is 18-3 and three and ranked in the top five or ten in the country overall? Uh, aside from the ACC being a bit down this year, it's also noteworthy that that 2016 team did not turn teams over. They were only 118th in the country, and they – weren't near as good at blocking shots. They were 72nd as opposed to first. So they, they were not boom and bust. They were just more of a bust uh, defense. <laughs> uh, whereas 
to to the coaches' credit and to the players for buying in, this year's team has really rallied around like doing doing what they can well and and ex- accentuating those aspects uh, and getting the most out of out of what they have. Uh, all right, let's let's go to the. Um, we'll finish on a good note here with our VT talk. Give me one more great thing that you saw from from the Virginia Tech game. So we've talked about uh, Trent and we've talked about Pat. And of course, we already took Vassell's uh, record tying performance off the table. But was there something else? Yeah, if you listen to the radio broadcast, if you got if you got sick of the announcers and, and turned on the radio, then you heard the exact opposite of what I'm about to say, which is that the final five minutes of the game was managed just really, really well by by Coach Hamilton. We we were up ten with five minutes to go and slowed the game down where. Trent was basically, you know, taking 10 seconds to get it across the the midcourt line. He he had to kind of jump across to avoid a 10-second violation at one point. And the radio announcers were saying that this this kind of slowing things down is the reason that Florida State struggles down the stretch of games, which is a weird thing to say because up until Notre Dame and, and Virginia, Florida State, had outscored like six straight ACC opponents in the final five minutes. The the first Virginia game was basically won in the last five minutes. And then the Miami game, we had no business winning. Uh, Frankly, we just have a history of of playing really well in the last five minutes of of ball games. That's why our record in close games is so good. Yeah. And and even yesterday we out, we outscored Virginia tech. And so we have given coach Hamilton a, (laughs) Excuse me. We've given Coach Hamilton kind of a hard time for the way he, especially the way he manages players with two fouls. Like he's he's clearly going against his best interest in a couple of the ways that he manages games. But when you have a ten point lead and you slow the game down, there were only eight possessions total um, for each team in those final five minutes yesterday. There's no way that Virginia Tech can win unless they start fouling with five minutes to go. And so you're basically putting the opposing coach into a position where they need to change the way that, the, that they want to manage the game if they want to have any, any chance of winning. You're, there's very few situations where you're going to outscore somebody by 10 and, and just eight possessions. Yeah, um, you, it, you just have to catch complete fire. Yeah, so Florida State scores in half court. Florida State scores a little less than a point per possession, so let's say like 0.9. Um, and, and when we slow it down, uh, if, if the offense is more sluggish, which I don't even know that it is, uh, that might be that 0.9 might go to 0.7. So you're basically giving up a point about every five possessions, and that is good. That's good game management. You know, so when, when there's only going to be eight possessions left, and you're up 10, then you absolutely want to create a situation where there are just as few as a few as possessions as possible down the stretch, uh, which which Coach Hamilton did. There's a coach who's been making some noise um, out west. His name is Todd Golden. He's he's the coach of University of San Francisco. I mean, and he's doing some things that people think are pretty crazy he he intentionally fouled uh the other day the other night um at the end of the game when he had the lead uh and it's and it's because he's he's able to 
basically determine the the expected value of a possession and figure out when it's better for his team to have an extra possession. So just sure to go ahead and foul at the end of the game and and have your team finish on the offense as opposed to the other team. Um, and so huh. there there are lots of uh, you know situations in a game where you can kind of just turn the math a little bit in your favor. And since we give him a hard time for not doing that in some other cases, you know, we, we really need to shout out in this particular game that, that he's doing the exact uh, thing that you, uh, sh- you know, you should be doing down the stretch. So if you listen to the radio broadcast and you're wondering why Florida State struggles down the stretch, you know, A, Florida State we does don't. not struggle down the stretch. <laughs> and, and B, uh, it, it was totally the right move. Yeah. Well, and, and then you, you add in the fact that Florida State is such a strong free throw shooting team. And, and while you, you know, the concern we've talked about earlier about getting to the free throw line is very real. If you're forcing a team to have to start to foul you and you're a 77% free throw shooting team, uh, that's, that's a good thing. So, and, and, and that kind of goes back to our Pat Williams conversa- uh, to conversation where, uh, you know, that and one to put us up 15 is big because that at that point is where you're starting to see like, okay, the mass can start to become a factor. And even if VT cuts into the lead a little bit, which they did got it to I think seven at one point, we quickly pushed it back to nine or 10 uh, that then allows coach Hamilton and coach Jones to do exactly what you're talking about and, and start to, to turn the math in your favor and say, Oh, there's four, four minutes and 40 seconds here to go. Uh, let's, let's start to, you know, burn this clock. All right. We are going to, uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, go grab something from the fridge and, and we'll come back on the flip side to talk about, uh, to talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels, which come to town tomorrow. We got, we got a quick turnaround here for a game. So we'll, we'll talk about North Carolina on the, when we come back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay. So, Florida State, 18-3. and three. Eight and two in the ACC, uh, sitting there. I believe are we tied for a second still, or or because Duke won last night, right? Yeah. So Duke and Florida State are tied for second. They they have not played each other yet. Uh, both of them are a game and a half back of Louisville in the conference standings. Uh, and and Florida State now welcomes a, a struggling North Carolina Tar Heels uh, team to the to the uh, Tucker Center. North Carolina coming in at 10 and 11 and three and seven in the conference. They have uh, Cole Anthony, their five-star point guard back. He played for the first time in gosh, 11 games, I think, which is, man, what a, what a dumb decision. I feel like by, <laughs> by everybody all around in his camp and Roy Williams and everyone else. Um, but may, maybe we can get into that a little bit. Nonetheless, with Cole Anthony back, uh, as could have been expected, he was rusty. It disrupted the flow of the team, and North Carolina came out and promptly lost to Boston College at home. Uh, so neither a team appears headed for the postseason. 
what can we uh what do you expect here with the Tar Heels uh coming in? They still have talent on the roster. Yeah, they 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 were definitely a little rusty or Cole Anthony was was a little rusty. The team was was uh you know not used to playing with them cuz he missed 11 games or whatever, but they're absolutely a better team with Cole Anthony than they are without him we 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 kind of made fun of North Carolina for uh you know dropping a game to at home to Wofford um but that was without Cole Anthony as were their losses to at home to Georgia Tech Pitt Clemson you know that that sort of stretch that they went through it seemed like they were kind of turning it around um they 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 whooped Miami they won at NC State Miami without Chris Likes and Cameron McGusty but they did put it on them yeah, um, and, and it's it's true that North Carolina is talented. They 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 have uh, without Anthony, they have five uh, um, blue chip recruits, including a five star and Armando Baycott. Uh, so, you know, so this is this is not an an untalented team. And Cole Anthony was like the fourth rated recruit in the nation, or something like that. Um, so they should be better than they are. Uh, they're not. This kind of reminds me of Roy's 2010 team that had like John Henson and, and uh, uh, Ed, what was his name? Ed Davis, uh, Deion Thompson, That's uh, right. Tyler, Tyler Zeller. You know, they, they had, they had a good team then too. And they, they won five a bunch of NBA games. games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, they won five games in the ACC. So this is, this is sort of that team all over again. Um, it's unfortunate for Florida State that Cole Anthony, for whatever crazy reason, has decided to to return. Um, but 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 yeah. So the uh, North Carolina in general should be able to give us some problems in the inter- interior. You know, Armando Baycott and Garrison Brooks are both you know big, strong guys. Who uh, are we? Are we going to go big? You know, to match up with them and then not switch or. You know what are we going to do? Are we going to go small and then you know just kind of get rolled down and down down low? It's, it's it's it'll be interesting to see you know how Ham approaches uh, this game from a coaching perspective. Yeah, Garrison Brooks in particular is a guy who gives me I, I think concern. I, although it's interesting, it, it seemed like he had just figured out how to start playing without Cole Anthony. You, you go back and, and okay, these were games they lost. But he had 35 points uh, against Georgia Tech. He had 18 points and 10 boards against Pittsburgh, again, in a loss. Uh, uh, 16 points and 13 boards in the rematch against Pittsburgh two games later, another loss. Uh, uh, 28 points and 13 rebounds against Virginia Tech. Uh, He had 25 points and 11 boards against NC State. And, And that was actually a win. He comes back, and, and so Cole Anthony comes back, and, and he has 10 points on 5 of 15 shooting. Now, he did go 0 for 7 from the free throw line. I, I don't expect really any player to go ever go 0 for 7, uh, let alone a guy like Garrison Brooks. So that probably won't happen again. But it, it, it is interesting that he – Cole Anthony comes back, and it seems like Garrison Brooks really struggled. Um, but, but they'll have now a game to have figured that out, or at least a day of practice to maybe figure some of that out. Cole Anthony, I'll be interested in because he is the type of guy, right? I, I feel like he is the exact type of player that could give us a lot of trouble off the dribble like we've seen in previous games. It'd be great if uh, MJ Walker could be healthy. Uh, but 
how is he going to – what do you expect from a guy who hadn't played in 11 games, comes back and plays 26 minutes off the bench against Boston College in that loss, and now he's got to strap it on again 36 or 40 hours later at the Tucker Center and play against a deep and physical Florida State team? I mean, aside from the fact that if you were his advisor, he wouldn't even be playing basketball right now, that seems like it's a hard ask, no? Yeah, he's, he scored 14 of his points from the free throw stripe. You know, he went 14 for 14 against yeah, Boston College. Yeah, double that for against us, right, depending yeah. on which refs we get. <laughs> right, and so it's, it's, I think a lot of that is going to come down to how the refs are calling the game. You know, they have a couple of guys who can really bang in the post. They have Cole Anthony who, who can draw a lot of fouls. You know, so, how, you know, A, how, how is the game going to be whistled? And then B is how is Cole Anthony going to respond to, you know, actually – getting a little bit of action on that injured knee and then having to turn around two days later and play against a very physical and big, you know, defense in, in, in Florida state. So yeah, it's not a great position I think for North Carolina to be coming into this game, uh, which is fine with me, but uh, it's going to come down, I think to, you know, what you're saying is how well Cole Anthony responds. He is a incredibly talented player. So it's, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he, if he comes in and has a good game and you mentioned Garrison Brooks and he, it it reminds me a little bit of when Bryce Johnson came in. What was that? Like 2016. Exactly the name I was thinking. Yep. 39 points and 23 rebounds. Uh, Against that 2016 defense that we just talked about really didn't do a great job of stopping teams uh, on the interior. Yeah, and we, and and we should be clear that Garrison Brooks is not Bryce Johnson. Bryce Johnson was was an incredible player, but you know the the Garrison Brooks version of that game could easily be you know like twenty one points and seventeen boards or you know something where he's just yeah. coming in and we have we have no answer. So yeah, it's, it, it, we'll see. It's I think a lot of it's going to come down to how well Cole Anthony plays, and then you know that interior duo of, of Baycott and Brooks, and whether or not Florida State actually has an answer. And didn't Brandon Robinson? I, I was I was just about to ask actually. So you know, so North Carolina. One one of the reasons why they are struggling this year, despite their talent, is is they like Virginia. They have just really struggled shooting the ball. Three hundred twenty fourth in the country from three. They're twenty nine point five percent on the season um in in ACC play that has pretty much maintained itself right this wasn't just early season struggles they're 14th in the conference there at 29.6 percent so it really hasn't changed uh in ACC play they're also you know terrible from the free throw line um we talked I talked about Garrison Brooks going over seven but as a team they're just 65 percent um although they do get to the line a decent amount so but Perhaps their best shooter, arguably their best shooter, Brandon Robinson, it, I, you know, no word yet on his injury, but it looked like an injury that, I, you know, an ankle injury that I'd be surprised if he can play 36 hours later. Um, and, and so he, he was coming in there. I mean, he was 35% from three, and he's their only player who's made more than, uh, more than 25 threes on the season. Uh, he's also 54% uh, from two and, and a tremendous free throw shooter at 82%. So, yeah, they're, they're, if he misses, I feel like that becomes even more uh, incumbent upon Cole Anthony to really dominate the ball and get it and, you know, penetrate and get it to Garrison Brooks. I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we deploy a little bit of that uh, Cole, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. defense that, that we brought out for NC State uh, three, three or so years ago. 
Yeah, Brandon Robinson, that would be a big loss. And I know the x-rays came back in his favor, but it's still, you know, a, a, a bad sprain and kind of a weird play where a player was jumping into him and, and hurt him and whatever. Uh, Brandon Robinson is, aside from being, you know, maybe their best shooter, uh, he's also uh, he's he, he's he, he's a senior and he really understands how to get the ball into the post and that's that's an area where where North Carolina could you know not be as efficient without him you know he 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 gets the ball to Brooks and Baycott in good position to score this is a you know this is a kid who Florida State recruited heavily it came down to to North Carolina and Florida State and he, he ultimately chose North Carolina. You know, but he but he looks like someone who would play for Florida State. You know, he's like super long and, and right, and Six, bouncy five. and yeah, yeah, long arms and and uh, I'm surprised he didn't get hurt more because his legs are about as big around as my wrist. But he's got the Akara White legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but but he's a good player, you know, and 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 he would definitely be a, a big miss. He's he's you know like a he's sort of a low volume, high efficiency kind of guy and he just does a lot of little things well so yeah that will definitely be a big loss for for North Carolina if he can't go yeah he, he kind of reminds me of a poor a poor man's uh Devin Vassell um so I I agree that would be a, a loss for them but I st- I will agree with you and you know I forgive me if in this preview we're not talking a whole lot about Florida State I kind of feel like look at home we we are a very good team at Flor- uh, at home you hear I've had people over the years say, man, if, if we could ever just get uh, – if Hamilton could get – he's got that defense. If we could just get shooters to go with that defense, think how good we'd be. Well, I don't have to imagine it. How good we'd be is how we play at home for the last 65 games because we typically shoot pretty well at home. You see guys like Wyatt and Anthony Polite, you know, rain in threes at home. We typically are able to turn uh, steals into transition buckets at home. And that's why we're 59 and three or whatever we are over the last 60 some games. So yes, that, that's how good we'd be if we could pair um, our defense with elite, uh, you know, highly skilled five-star shooting capabilities. Um, But I keep looking at this, these three numbers, this is fouls drawn per 40 minutes, Cole Anthony, 6.7, Armando Baycott, another five-star, 5.7, Garrison Brooks, 4.8. That, that's a bit scary. There is no one on FSU's team that is drawing 4.8 per 40 minutes. And, and they got three guys. That's 4.8, 5.7, and 6.7. I hate to say it, but it sounds like it's just going to come down to what you said a couple minutes ago. Of how is this game called? Yeah, and it'll be really frustrating if the refs screw this one up because North Carolina Florida State games are almost always super fun to watch. They're like the opposite of Virginia Florida State games, right? Where I I don't I don't enjoy watching them even when we win. You know, North Carolina FSU games are usually just really entertaining games. They're up and down. Uh, the teams uh, both want to want to get up and down the court, but are doing it in very different ways. You know, so you've got this contrast of sort of, of high flying styles. You know, it's just just a really interesting and one of those games that every year I circle. And this is the one I I, I want to make sure that that I, I I am there and present and ready to watch this thing because it's they're they're usually super fun games. And if the refs screw this one up um it, it it'll be upsetting for a number of reasons one and that will favor north carolina if the refs have a tight whistle and two it's just let's 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 see what college basketball could look like with a few few rule treat rule tweaks yeah um and and florida state unc is kind of that that model 
Yeah. So um, I, I, I hope you're right. I, you're, you definitely are right about the historical, um, you know, watchability of these FSU UNC games. You know, you think back to the, the Todd Galloway draining the three from the corner to send it into overtime. And there's been a couple of times where UNC's had, I think, a Harrison Barnes buzzer beater, a, a Ty Lawson buzzer beater, and all, all those games were just a lot of fun to watch. The, the ACC tournament game that I think you had in your top three games of the last decade was, was just a blast, super well-played basketball game. So um, hopefully the fans are given a treat, uh, win or lose, and, and of course you'd always want to see it come out on the right side. Um, do you have a, a prediction for the game? I, I, you, I, I, I will say that I happen to be right in the Virginia Tech prediction. I'm not, <laughs> you know, just saying. I got lucky there. But do you have a, uh, do you have a UNC prediction? Yeah, my Virginia Tech pr- prediction was, was, was poor. I will, I will admit that. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to step it up a notch here. And I, I think that we're going we're gonna to handle North Carolina. I, I don't know how easily we're going to handle them, but I, I, I think Florida State will win something like 80 to 73. I think it'll be a, a, a really fun game to watch, a high possession game. And, uh, you know, but, but, but one in which Florida State will come out on top. I think MJ should be ready to go. He, he, he was mentioned that, you know, he, he probably could have played against Virginia Tech. Uh, Ham is extremely conservative on putting players out there with an injury, which is which is a great thing for your coach yeah, to be. Especially when you're 18 and three, why risk it? You know, right? And and the you know, life after college basketball is what these kids are are here training for. So you don't you don't you don't want them out there risking injury, uh, like uh, someone on the other team who's coming in with a big scar yeah. on his knee. Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, I'll take I'll take Florida State, and I, I what did I say about like seven or something? But yeah, it'll, it'll, it should be a fun game. I, I agree with you about the eighty. I actually think it might even be a, a bit higher scoring than that. I, I'll say that um, I think Cole Anthony kind of comes in and rides some early adrenaline. I don't know. It's seven p.m. ESPN primetime game uh, on the road against probably a top ten team, maybe somewhere in that seven eight nine range. And so I think he rides some early. Uh, adrenaline and momentum and, and really comes out looking like the Cole Anthony that college basketball was treated to earlier in the year. I think it's a fun back and forth first half that might even see UNC uh, take, take some five or seven point leads. And, and then I think that in the second half reality hits and, uh, and Cole Anthony wears down. And the, if Brandon Robinson indeed cannot play that, that depth loss is felt and as Florida State and Leonard Hamilton continues to send in waves of bodies, uh, I, you know, I think you see Garrison and, and Cole become ineffective and inefficient in the second half. And, and maybe Florida State pulls away for a, let's call it 84 to 74 uh, victory over the Tar Heels. Um, so, and, and starting that, that we play four of the next five games at home. So starting, starting it off on a good, good note there. Yeah, and it should be a, it should be a really well watched game. You know, we're on ESPN. There's really nothing else. Yeah, uh, from a college basketball perspective, that's go, that's going on tomorrow night. So yeah, they, I think Texas goes to Kansas for a probable beatdown after our game um, at nine. I, I, you're right. I don't know that there's a lot going on besides besides our game. Should be front and center. Yeah, so if it's a fun game and we win, then uh, I think it'll it'll turn a lot of eyeballs to to some people who maybe haven't seen Florida State play this year. 
if you're in the Tallahassee area, uh, get get your Super Bowl hangover taken care of and, and head on out to the tuck for what always is an exciting atmosphere of up and down basketball. Uh, Michael, enjoy your your 49ers area I don't, bar- barbecue or whatnot, whatever the festivities are going on in the neighborhood, and, and we'll uh, – We'll touch base after after hopefully defeating Roy Williams and the Tar Heels. All right, it was good talking to you as always. Yep. Go go Niners. I, I'm supposed I'm contractually obliged to say I think. <laughs> All right. Uh, bye.